Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, lead pastor of Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith so you experience the goodness of God and the greatness of your unique voice in His kingdom. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at overflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional on amazon.com. We had three aims, we said, for this series that we're walking into. Aim number one, we said that we are going to align with Jesus's intent for the church. We live in an age of much confusion when we talk about what the church is, and we desperately need a clear definition for the dream that he holds for the church that he birthed. And so last week we shared the first two definitions of what the Bible says the church is. This morning I'm going to share the last two definitions of what that is. So we're going to get a clear definition of what the church is. The second aim that we had for this series coming up is we said that we together are going to recognize and celebrate Christ in you, the hope of glory. That we're going to look together and see how the passions and gifts that are in you have been intentionally placed there. They've been knit within you for a specific place God desires for you to radiate within the body. And we need for you to know it. Our goal is for you to run freely today. Would that be good? Yeah? All right. And our third goal we said was over these weeks we're going to slow down. And we're going to look to equip one another with five gifts of grace the Holy Spirit has placed in us. And here's the good news. If the Holy Spirit is in you, all five of these gifts are already in you. Okay? It's not a matter of you getting them, an inception of getting them in you. It's actually activating the gifts that are already there. And he said these five gifts, if we would walk in them together, it would lead us to maturity and fullness and fruit as we walk together. So last week as we started off, We started with that first goal, defining the question, what is the church? And so I want to give you a recap so we can just launch off this ramp and keep going. We said first last week that the church is Jesus' strategy to release his kingdom and to conquer hell. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. It wasn't a possibility. It was a truth. He does that through the church. The only choice that we have is when we walk as the church that he built. We shared last week that the church is called to be colonies of heaven that set up camp everywhere the gates of hell reside in our cities until hell flees and heaven comes. And we said that this is best accomplished. Somebody say best. This is best accomplished for you and I by unlocking the unique passion and burden God has already placed within you. Now, I'll tell you what I mean. Within every person hearing my voice right now, you have a unique passion and you have a unique burden. When I talk about your unique passion, what I'm talking about is the thing that fires you up and you just think it's normal. In fact, you might get offended because you think everybody should have this passion. Everybody should see it this way. We're going to talk why that's actually not what God intended. There's something you bring that's unique that we need. There's a passion that gets you up in the morning. There's things you're good at. There's things you can't escape and you just think about them. You're like, oh man, when I get to do this, I'm alive. Now the other coin of the other side of the coin of your passion is your burden. Your burden is very closely related to your passion. Here's what your burden is. It's a sense of responsibility about something that is not right and broken in the world. It's something that you're looking at. And now listen, there's a billion things. And in the same way, in immaturity, you get offended when everybody doesn't get as offended about the thing that is broken in the world. Everybody should do this. And this is the thing that you think. If the church could just do this, it would be heaven on earth. That's your burden. So I want you to hear what we said last week. The first purpose of the church is it is Jesus' strategy to release his, Kev- his, his kingdom. He's not his Kevin. He'll release all kinds of Kevins. He'll release you, Kevin. He releases you in Jesus' name. <laughs> he releases the kingdom of heaven 
on earth and conquers hell. And here's the way he does it. He puts a unique passion and burden in each of us. And when we will walk together and be honest with that passion and burden and stir it to maturity and take the passion and maturity and everybody else and set up camp in our cities where the gates of hell reside, hell will flee and heaven will come. That's the first purpose of his church. Second purpose we said last week was this, that the church is a spirit-empowered family who stays with their father, and they stay together. If you remember, we went to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts 2, we talked about how the depth of the early church was due to their devotion to God and each other. They built faithful relationships, and they held on to each other, especially when it was tough. And man, that's a word we need today because today we live in the midst of cancel culture and largely a throwaway society that says when it hurts or when it's hard or when there's hypocrisy, I'm going to cut bait and run. We said last week that hurt and hypocrisy is going to be true in every community on earth when anyone other than Jesus is allowed in the room, right? The minute you say we have a community and you add anybody plus Jesus, there's going to be hurt, And there's going to be hypocrisy. Let me go deeper. For all of us today, the last thing I'd ever want to be is a hypocrite, right? That means a a stage actor. But come on, can we be honest? Right now, isn't it true that there's a place that you look in the mirror and you find yourself every day of things you're saying, maybe even saying to your kids, like, this is what we stand for. And you look in the mirror, you're like, it's not often what I stand for. (laughs) Hurt and hypocrisy is something that the king is setting us free from, but he wants us not to get in a perfect community, but to actually be made healthy and to hold on to one another and be devoted in community. And he says that his church would be the place that he would build that. And so today we're going to talk about the next two purposes of the church, that the church is a body and the church is a bride. So I want you to do this with me. Put your hand on your heart right now. Say, Jesus, Jesus. you came to build a church. I want in. in. Jesus, Jesus. you planted passions and burdens on my heart. I want to know them. And I want to walk with others. Lord, build your church. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right, so we're going to continue on. Number three, what is the purpose of the church? The church is a unified expression of the multifaceted grace of God that restores creation. Now, that's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. The church is a unified expression of the multifaceted grace of God that restores creation. I'll tell you what I mean. First of all, the church is a unified expression. We've been called in the Bible to be one body where each part is absolutely vital. Look at these words with me from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, Just as a body, though it's one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body, so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Okay, quickly, I want to look at four truths that we just read in that passage that are going to unlock something for us today. Four truths from 1 Corinthians 12. Number one, we have many parts, but one goal. We have many parts, but one goal. Just like our own bodies is a complex system, right? You've got all the systems of your body. You go in school and you learn about your nervous system and your digestive system, and they don't all do the same thing. Thank God. If your heart today just started getting jealous of your brain going, you know what, I'm going to stop doing the heart stuff and start trying to do some of the brain stuff. You'd be dead. (laughs) That's what would happen. We're one body, but we have many diverse parts, many diverse needs. And the body of Christ, as we just said, our one part, our one goal together is to adore our creator and to restore heaven to earth. We're going to do that different ways. Number two is this. Union with Jesus is what makes you part of the body. We talk about the body of Christ, which he calls the church, the true church with the big C. Listen, it's not a class you take. It's not a local congregation that you go to. It's not a service that you come to on Sunday mornings. It's not a building that you drive up to and say, oh, that's my church. So guess what it means? You can't decline membership. Because when you said yes to Jesus... You said yes 
to belonging for the rest of eternity as a part within a body of believers where you play a vital part. So listen to me. I'm speaking to every Christian on the planet. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir today. You're in the room. But let me talk about Christians right now across the globe. It is union with Jesus that makes you a part of the body. And right now it means you are either contributing to the health of the body or you are operating as an autoimmune disease that is attacking the body from within. It's one or the other. You're in the body and you can't be out. So when you hear people go, I'm just done with the church. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just walking delusional right now. And that's actually a disease that's going to hurt you. But you can't be out of the true church because it's union with Jesus, not a card you sign in a, member, a membership at a local church that makes you part of the church. Okay, so we're many parts, but one goal. Union with Jesus makes us part of the body. Listen, here's the third one. This is where it gets fun. God already decided and designed the vital role you play. You know what that means? When you think about, well, what is that? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Anybody want to know that? Anybody want to know the thing in you that radiates, the thing that is that passion and burden, and when you show up, heaven is established? Does anybody want to know that? It's not rhetorical. Does anybody in the room want to know that thing? Here's the great news. Listen to me. Anybody in the room said yes to Jesus? Oh, my goodness, then guess what that means? You're in the body. You're already apart. You can't be out. And he already designed and positioned you for exactly what you are, which means you will never have to audition for your part in the body. You just have to get honest and get healthy. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. You are in the body and you can't be out. Jesus already knows the part of the body you are. You can't change it, which means you will never have to audition for your part. You don't have to make room for yourself at the table. Before you were born, there was a seat with your name on it, and there will never be that seat at the table again. And he says, you're already this. So listen, you don't have to audition. All you have to do is be honest. What do I mean? Stop trying to be everybody else's part. Stop being jealous and whining. It's an orphan spirit. You're a part of the body, and you're vital. Be honest. Now listen, for some, they go, but I am. Pastor Chuck, I know who I am, and nobody will ever let me serve. So here's my question. Are you healthy? You can know you're a kidney and still be poisoning the rest of the body, can't you? We see that right now with people that will have to go to the hospital and get a kidney transplant. Why? Because the part of the body is the right part of the body, but it's not healthy, so it can't do what it was, func- what it was created to do. So listen, Jesus already knows the part of the body he made you to be. When we walk together, we're going to recognize what that is, and you can get healthy. By the way, I'm going to talk about this some next week. There are four indicators to discover what your part is in the body. I'll say them quickly now, and we're going to preach them next week. It's passion, as we talked about, burden, which I just mentioned, gifting. By the way, your gifting is a recognized strength. If you walk around everywhere and be like, I'm a great speaker, and nobody's listening to you, then it either means that's not your gift or it just means it hasn't seen the light of day yet. Okay, so I'm not just saying follow the masses, but, but again, gifting is seen as recognized strength when you walk in community. It's the thing you can't escape, okay? And then the last one is seeing health, which are four C's that we talked about last week. I'll mention again, it's character, competency, connection, and coachability. We'll unpack that some next week. Okay, so the fourth thing I want you to see from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is this. You were not created to function in isolation. Somebody hear me this morning. You are vital and you are incomplete. You are vital and you are incomplete. This is what I mean. There are places right now that you and I radiate God. And when you walk through the door, you are inviting other people into the light without even trying to. You don't even have to think about it. You just look like your father. And when you come in, they want to be like your father. And... There are places right now that you need others to illuminate him to call you out of your own present darkness. Which means that we need churches that will embrace and not run from gifts and expressions that differ with what we're comfortable with. By the way, I want to tell you, God would have never sent a comforter to you unless he was going to call you into the uncomfortable. So suit up, let's go. I want to say this about the parts of the body, right? 
God says that, that there's a body and we're a vital part of it. But did you know that the parts of your body only function in power through proximity? I want you to think about this for just a minute. The parts of your body only experience power through proximity. I talked about your heart a minute ago. Your heart is the most powerful muscle within your body. It is pumping blood and sending messages all over and literally keeping you alive as the hub. So much so that all of our poets talk about everything, the seat of emotions being the heart. But can I tell you something right now, as amazing as your heart is, it's powerless outside of the context of your body. See, if we took that same organ right now and laid it out of your body, it's doing nothing to help you. The body will be lifeless. And this is my concern. Right now, we have lots of isolated Christian hearts running on their own, and they're jaded because it's not working any better out there than the churches they left that were full of hurt and hypocrisy because, sadly, they've scapegoated a congregation instead of embracing a Christ. And I say that in love. They've cut themselves off from the blood supply of belonging to the assembled ones. I want to remind us that Jesus said the only way, somebody say only way. The only way the world will ever know that his love is real is the way we love each other as believers. It's the way we stay together. So I want to say this to us this morning. We will have a hard time representing the love that will never leave you or forsake you when we keep leaving and forsaking each other over our shortcomings. Now, I'm speaking this morning to those who are choosing to brave the waters of deep community. So let me just say in the room, let me just state the obvious, okay? Belonging to the body is hard. Can I get an amen? Amen. Belonging to community is hard because people can be bristly. They can do things that cross your boundaries and not the way you would do them. Listen, belonging to community is hard because people can be stupid. (laughs) And before you think, oh, them, look in the mirror. Remember, I is one, right? Like, we can. We can miss it. But I want to tell you most of all that, listen, belonging to community is hard. Because if you choose to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, your heart will be repeatedly broken. Somebody this morning, you need to take this next quote that we're putting on the screen, and you need to put it up on your mirror and remember it because you've been stuck, and this is going to help you begin to move, and it's this. When you choose to love, you choose heartbreak. You choose the risk of being misunderstood, overlooked, vilified, neglected, or forgotten. When you choose to love, you also choose the awareness that somewhere you will bring disappointment and disillusionment to the very people you've only ever wanted to love. Choosing to love will break your heart. But choosing to remain in your own sanitized makeshift triage tent with only people who think, speak, and act like you is choosing to cut yourself off from the deep founts of love altogether. Love requires risk. Love guarantees loss. But it is also the only path to anything remotely resembling life. We're one body. We've been called to be a unified expression, which means that we have to stay together. But God has filled us with a multifaceted grace that he said is full of all Of his beauty. I want you to see this Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to get into this a little bit more next week. But talking about the church, this is what Paul says. He says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to unpack this. Listen, God has an intent for the church. That's good news, right? God has an intent. He's not just going aimlessly like, I don't know what those guys are doing. Don't really know what to tell them. He's like, no, I've got an intent for the church. What is his intent? You ready? That the manifold wisdom of God. What the heck does that mean? The word manifold means greatly varied in color, expression, and appearance. 
He says, I've got a wisdom, and it's greatly varied. It doesn't look the same. It's not the cookie-cutter you know, subdivision that you go into, and you only get three different houses and four different colors, and we put them like six inches apart from each other. He said, no, you're a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. I've never, I've never drawn in this color before. The church has greatly varied color and expression and appearance. His intent is diversity, to release every shade of Jesus over the planet. Why? Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 3. So the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms would see it. Now, I'm a language nerd. Did you know this? Is the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, that exact phrase shows up one more time. Maybe you've quoted it before. Ephesians chapter 6, we're talking about the armor of the spirit. And it says this, we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but against what? the powers and principalities and rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Somebody hear me. Jesus has an intent for the church of great diversity, but for us to stay united together. And he says, when you stay together and you stop comparing and you will carry your wildly colored banner and receive the glory of your brother and sister's banner that is totally different in approach and appearance. When you'll do that with gratitude, hell will flee and heaven will come. He goes further and he says that this is his eternal purpose and that it's already accomplished. Say, how do we do this? He says, actually, all I'm looking for is I release this through a family that would be crazy enough to trust me. See, this is why we so value diversity and champion different expressions at Overflow Church. It's why I talk almost every week about you finding your unique voice. It's why we're not just an evangelistic church or a teaching church or a prophetic church, but with all of our heart, we strive for multifaceted grace. We've been trying for four and a half years now since we really rebirthed this Overflow Church to be a five-fold church to be apostolic and prophetic and evangelistic and shepherding and teaching. And somebody asked me in the community, they said, what's that like building a five-fold church? I said, it's beautiful and excruciating because it means that all of us are a little uncomfortable all the time. Because we're waving all these wildly colored banners all at the same time. Here's my point. Pastor Ruth came in and brought down heaven this morning from the prophetic and then Pastor Cindy came up here and was like, shout it louder! <laughs> and some of you were like, I don't feel comfortable shouting it louder. <laughs> I want to know when the man's coming up and just giving me thoughts from the Bible that I can write down in my notes and think about this week. <laughs> and what I want you to understand is there's no, there's no condemnation in that. The goal is not everybody shouting it louder like Cindy. The goal would actually be Cindy carries a glory. Do we see that? Yes. So when Pastor Cindy brings her glory, we're actually supposed to be equipped, which means it's enough for that person who says, well, I'm really reserved. I'm really reserved that over time you're like, whoop, Jesus. is like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you're being equipped to fullness. Why? Because you recognize her wildly colored banner. And you said, I need that. And yet you didn't condemn yourself saying, I'm not accepted or as acceptable before the Lord because I'm not that. And meanwhile, what's going to happen is you're going to have your time to get up in conversation and say something to Pastor Cindy that's going to make her uncomfortable and go, wow, they really live in a radical way there, and I, I need to push and grow and move, and it's enough for her to take a step. That's the point in how God is building his church. I want to tell you beyond that, it's not just a beautiful reality. It is the only way hell will be put on notice. It is the only way we will ever reach our fullness. God has a plan, and I'm going to talk about this next week, but he says we use the word pastor a lot in our culture. Pastor is the word that we use. If we showed up and said, hi, I'm Apostle Chuck, that would really confuse and freak out some people and think we're starting our own empire. But the truth is, if we were to use the language of the New Testament, I would be standing here this morning saying, hey, I'm Teacher Chuck. I'm Teacher Chuck, because every time I open my mouth, whether you want it or not, I'm going to teach you something. I can't help myself. Lynn's going to come up as Apostle Lynn. Pastor Aaron will come up as evangelist Aaron. Ruth and Cindy will come up as prophetess Ruth or prophetess Cindy. We've got shepherd Josh and shepherd Brenda and shepherd Chris. If we were to see each other the way we actually are, it's that. And listen, so you see our pastoral staff. Our pastoral staff's amazing. Amen? Amen. Great. Here's the deal. Their job is not to do the ministry. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And by the way, there's no 
other plan that Jesus ever initiated. So it's beautiful that we can color, uh, wave our brightly colored banner and see everybody else's, but if we won't do it, there's no other plan. We're called to be a body. So let me be super practical right now. What does it mean for us to embrace multifaceted grace as a church? What does it mean for us to continue to go this way? First of all, I'm going to say this. If you've come in and you're like, well, I don't want any more of that shouting out Jesus, the speak the name of Jesus stuff, and I want more of your teaching, I'm going to say, I love you. This won't be the church for you because we're going to be fivefold. Okay? Or if you go, I love that shout the name of Jesus stuff. I just wish you'd talk a lot less. <laughs> that... That's not going to happen either. <laughs> because we need a diverse expression. So what does it look like to walk it out? Here it is. I just want to give you briefly three pictures and declarations. And when you hear this, don't just go, hmm, that's nice. Go, this is our church. This is me. And I want you to come into agreement with it and say, yes, that's what we'll be. Okay? Number one is this. That we elevate and celebrate the unique gifts in others, finding ways to help each one mature to fullness. It means that we've got to call out giftings early and regularly, and in this place there will be no room for competition. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Number two, it means this, that we refuse, oh, I'm going to preach right now. We refuse to fault a part of the body for not being a different part of the body. Amen. I cannot tell you in all my years of ministry how many times somebody has gotten upset at me because I'm not another part of the body. And they start this way, Pastor Chuck, I just want to start by saying, and they'll list all the things that I actually am. When you do this, this is beautiful and this and this, and I love all that, but I really have a problem with you, Pastor Chuck. And then they list all these things that I'm not. You don't do what Cindy does, and you don't do what so-and-so does. And my last pastor, he called me on my birthday, and he this, and he that, and the other, and, and you're not like that. To which I want to go, yes! That's awesome! You've correctly identified it because... Because I am not substitute savior as lead pastor. I'm one part of the body. And we've got to be a culture that says we're going to stop. We're not going to fault a part of the body for not being a different part of the body. There's not one person who is going to come and be all of it. And we have made a bold declaration. So all you're going to see is this. I know that when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm a teacher. So what's going to happen is you're just going to hear me teach more and more and more and more. Which means you send me on sabbatical, I'm going to write books. Why? Because I'm a teacher. That's what I'm going to be. But meanwhile, i got to tell you something. I am being shepherded by our shepherd, Pastor Chris. So as he leads us in how to shepherd, I want to just give a little testimony right now. Pastor Chris reached out to me this week. He said, hey, i got an idea, Pastor Chuck, that I don't think has ever crossed your mind. But when you, you regularly, when, and he was right, it didn't. Um, there's a lot of thoughts that go through Chris's mind that never cross my mind. Um, he said, so, so whether you know this or not, when a new guest comes to our church, we, we very much want to reach out to them personally. And maybe you've even gotten a text from me before, okay, that says, hey, I just want to let you know I'm specifically thinking about you. Let me just go ahead and answer this. That's not a robo-text, okay? If you get that, I actually typed that out because I was actually thinking about you and actually praying for you. I don't just copy and paste that to everybody and be like, okay, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You're all special. That's not what I'm doing, okay? So when you hear from our pastors... We're coming and saying, no, I actually want to slow down and see you. Pastor Chris helped me to see that. But he went further and he said, what if we did this for new guests that came? Instead of just sending a text, I heard of this pastor that sends just a video. Could you take a few extra minutes? And just as you're praying for them, just a 30-second video. Would you just send them a 30-second video and call them by name and say, hey, this is Pastor Chuck, and I'm just thinking about you. So first of all, I did. I was so encouraged. And the response, people were like, Pastor Chuck, wow, that was amazing. And I didn't get to stop and go, Pastor Chris was amazing. What happened? I actually, as a teacher, was just equipped deeper from a shepherd because that's the way the church is supposed to work. And the longer I walk with him, the more shepherding I become, but it doesn't change the part of the body I am. Now I'm just a teacher who knows how to be relational, and that's beautiful, right? So we're not going to fault a part of the body for not being a different part of the body. What does that mean? For you in the body where you are weak, you don't need to be at all. We will bring strength around you. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Here's the third one. Here's where it gets good. It means this. It means that I, say I. I, I must take primary responsibility to discover and nurture the deposit God placed in me, refusing to blame others where they don't see it yet. 
I can't tell you how often I've heard people in, in the American context of the church get mad at the church because, well, I'm a this and nobody's seeing it. And what I want to say is, right, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit's putting a refiner's fire in you. And when push comes to shove, there are going to be places Jesus is going to take you that no one is going to walk with you. By the way, if you're a leader in anything, it means that you're actually in some sense alone because you're out in front of everybody else. If you're in the middle of the pack saying, I'm leading, no, you're not. You're all going for a walk together in that place because you're surrounded. So the minute you're going to know that you're stepping out in an anointing of leadership actually means you're going to feel a little bit alone. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit to lean in and to say, that's who you are, son. Otherwise, if you live by the praise of people, you will die by their criticism or you will die by their silence or you will die by what they didn't celebrate enough. So we're going to be a culture that's going to celebrate. But listen, if you come and go, but I'm doing this thing and nobody's celebrating yet, I'm going to say not shame on overflow church. I'm going to say, you're the primary one that has to guard that deposit until they see it because a tree will be known by its fruit eventually. I'm the primary person responsible for nurturing and developing the gifts God placed in me. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Yay. We are the body of Christ. Before we close this morning, I want to share just one final declaration with you of what the church is called to be. We're called to be a body. And the church is the object of Jesus' great adoration and affection, being prepared as a worthy bride. We're a body and we're a bride. Look at these words in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The Apostle Paul is writing a charge to husbands of how they are to treat their wives, and the picture that he wants to give is Christ with his bride the church. And I want you to notice what he says Christ is presently doing for his bride. One, he is making her holy. He's setting her apart all as his own for a special purpose. Number two, he is cleansing her from guilt and shame and lies. He's continually speaking life over her. I love that it says that he's continually washing over with the word. You know why I love that? Because Jesus is the word. He's washing over with himself. He's continually speaking over his bride the truth in every place of lie, in every place of being unseen or unfinished or feeling condemned. And the result of that continual work is that his bride, the church, is learning how to stand without wrinkle or stain or blemish, and that one day soon the two will be united as one. And this is a mystery. He says if you want the truest picture of two becoming one, it's not a husband and wife, it's Christ and his church. And when we turn forward in the pages of Revelation, we see our future. This is a moment, by the way, what I'm about to read, we're all going to live together. And when we do, we're going to look across at each other and be like, that That was that thing we told. Oh my gosh, it's happening just like it said it. Revelation chapter 19, it says this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the peals of loud thunder, shouting hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice together and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given for her to wear. The days that we live in right now, it has become in vogue to bash the church, or that church, or that pastor, or that leader, or that ministry, or that group of assembled ones for all the places they're broken. And I need to say this this morning, the church may be broken, but she's still the bride. She's still beautiful, and she is being guarded every moment by a husband who adores her, so we better be careful how we talk about Christ's church because we may just find ourselves speaking in direct opposition with her husband who is in the process of washing her clean. 
It's a declaration to us, not preaching to anybody. I told you I'm not going to passively, aggressively preach to you. If I have something I need to say to you, I'll talk to you in private. I won't air it out in my message here. But I want to say this is a declaration for us. There are many people right now who are watching a lot of churches that are growing, not by new people coming into the kingdom, but for, from jumping from one aquarium to the other aquarium. Right? They've come from this church or come from that church. And listen, there's no condemnation there. There are times and seasons that God give us with expressions in the body, and there's only one church in Tampa, and we love all of it. So if God's called you here from another church, that's awesome. But often what happens is this. People are coming to a new church with unresolved church hurt, meaning something that they did not walk through Matthew 18 together. They have not talked to their pastor. They just disappeared, and they showed up here next week, and it's a few weeks where they start seeing something beautiful here that they like more here than what they liked there. And then before you know it, they show up to me or to one of our pastors and start to talk about all the hurt they received from the previous church and how much better we are than the previous church. And I want to say this, I'm so sorry for your pain, but please be careful what you say about the churches in this region. I walk with many of them as dear friends and know them far better than many of you. I know the content of their character. I know the burning passion of their heart. And where they missed it, I grieve with you, but they are the bride. Let me go a step further. I told you if you're going to walk in community, a time's going to come where you're going to receive hurt within church. And I hate to say it, I've, I've been at the place where some of you I've hurt and I've come to you to repent, and I hate that. Just like we read in that quote earlier, I hate the fact that the people I most want to protect at times, I'm going to hurt, and I know that you hate that, and sometimes you're going to hurt, and sometimes you're going to come to me because another pastor of our church, you got hurt by them. And I just want to say this, you better be really careful what you say to me about another pastor of our church because these are my brothers and sisters and I can almost guarantee, other than Michael and Kathy who know Aaron and Ruth a little bit better than I do, (laughs) I know most of our pastors far better than anyone else and I walk with them hours upon hours upon hours on end. I know how they selflessly go low again and again. I know how they serve. I watch how they sacrifice, and I know their humility. So I want to say this to you. If there is somewhere we've missed it, if there's somewhere I missed it, we're all ears. Because the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. I'm not saying bury your hurt. Oh, Lord Jesus, no, bring it out. But we have to be careful how we interact with the bride. There will be no room in this place for gossip, assumptions, or assaulting the heart or motive of another pastor or another leader in the kingdom because all that's doing is voicing an orphan's lament that is beneath you. And my greatest passion is to remove the orphan spirit from the church. So for me, let me make it personal as we close this morning. I've come before the Lord and I want to come before you and say, I repent for every place. I've talked about what's broken in the church and ended the sentence with a period as if I'm above the problem and not called to be part of the solution. If I mention brokenness, I want you to know that I'm going to start with me and I'm going to call all of us higher. I want you to know that I'm ready to stop complaining about everything that's broken and focus instead on the beauty that is waiting to be birthed and is presently being perfected. Better than that, I'm ready for all of us, say all, to put all of our focus on the bridegroom and the words he's presently washing over us. I think about May 11th. 2002, it was the day I married my best friend. There were several hundred people in the room, and with that number of people in the room, I am almost positive. There were people whispering as she walked out. There was shuffling. There was a baby crying. There were distractions. But you know what? I don't know any of it because my attention wasn't on them. It was on my bride. Can I say to us today that Jesus has chosen to put his full attention on his bride. And he's presently making us worthy. What could happen if we stopped listening to all the noise, if we stopped blaming and we simply returned his gaze? The bride is broken, yes, but she's still beautiful, and her beauty is far outshining her brokenness if you would have eyes to see. Let me be very personal right now for some who you've come, and when I said something about church hurt, you're thinking of a church in the community, or you're thinking about this community. For some of us this morning, we've got to break our idolatry of our expectations of the church. We've expected from the church something only Christ can bring us. We've blasted them for not being what only he can be, the full and complete body of Christ, and it is blinding us from the many blessings that we are receiving.
There are people that I've heard them say, I've got all this church hurt and all these mountains of church hurt, and when I'm looking, I see it and my heart breaks, but I see mountains upon mountains upon mountains upon mountains upon mountains of blessings that they're not seeing anymore. Isn't that what happens within marriages that fall apart? Isn't it what happens? We stop seeing what actually brought us together in the first place and see that one little thing that's broken that's become a seed that now suddenly has grown as a weed that goes over everything. And I want to say if that's you, the beauty of the church is far outshining her brokenness if we'd have eyes to see and together if we could let Jesus in. We will watch him in this place corporately bind and heal our wounds. He will clean our stains. He will dry clean our dress. He will lift our gaze. And he will make us worthy to be the bride. Let me say one last note before we close. There's some men. Men in the room? (laughs) There's some men that anytime I start talking about us being the bride of Christ, get all bent out of shape. I'm I'm not a bride. You call me a girl? Like, I'm not the bride of Christ. I want to say something. I didn't call you that. Jesus did. And there's a toxic bravado that it's time to go because I just want to submit this to us. Sometimes men show up and go, well, I don't want to be the bride because you're used to always walking in the room and being the rescuer and you're offended by the fact that you need to be rescued. So I just want to say, I'm not removing your masculinity. We're not changing the church's pronouns. Okay, we're not walking in any of those places. You're strong. You're masculine. You're wonderful. You're enough, but you're a bride. And the time has come for us to actually walk. By the way, I want to say the most masculine thing you could ever be, men, for your husbands and for your wife, is vulnerable. So maybe if we could stop getting so upset about being called the bride, and, oh, I'm not the bride, you're the bride, Jesus said so, okay? <laughs> maybe we could drop it and be vulnerable, all of us this morning, and let him make us new. Would you stand with me? I'm just going to ask right now for two charges. We talked this morning about the church being a body and the church being a bride. And so I want to ask, you've been sitting for a minute or two, go ahead and stretch, take a deep breath. Don't start thinking about what you're picking up on the way home yet. We're going to take another 10 minutes in this place, and I'm just going to ask you, please, you've heard all of this. Let's receive what the Lord wants. I've invited our prayer ministers forward. I'm going to ask for just a moment. Would you just close your eyes before the Lord? And I want to give a charge to you this morning. Really two. One about being the body and one about being the bride. There will be many opportunities I'm going to give right now for you to receive ministry. And if you need somebody to come into agreement with you, I'm going to ask you at any point I'm talking to leave your seat to come up to these prayer ministers and let them come into agreement with you. That's why they're here. The first charge I want to give you with your eyes closed before the Lord is this. Jesus came to make you a part of the body of Christ. And if you know him, you're already in. But perhaps there's somebody in the room today that you don't know if you really know him. You don't know. You're like, I hear all these promises and I still feel like an outsider. I feel so much guilt and I feel so much shame. And I cannot possibly fathom how the God of the universe could know me and love me with all I've done. But he does. This morning you look and say, I'm ready to stop running. I'm ready to know once and for all I'm a part of this body. If that's you, I'm going to ask nobody else to look around in this moment. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and lift your hand. Because I want to walk with you in a declaration that's going to change everything. Say, I don't know this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if I'm part of the body and I want to know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So this is what I'm going to ask lay your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I don't feel worthy, but I believe you made me. And I don't understand it, but I choose to believe right now that you adore me. You know me completely with all of my faults and you choose me. I'm so sorry for the things I've done that have broken your heart. And I can't fix it but I believe you came for me and I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to send your spirit to come live within me. Would you fill me right now with your adoration? Let me know forever that you love me. 
And precious one, right now, if you're praying that, I am praying right now in the name of Jesus that all shame and guilt and lies, everything that has been spoken over you. I see somebody in your childhood with a father or grandfather, a male figure pointing in your face and you being filled with such shame, that that's breaking now. Because the voice of your true father is on the scene. He says, I've always seen you. I've always known you. Drop your protest. Just come in. Say, Jesus, save me. The same deal. I'm going to ask everybody's eyes closed, but this is important. If that was you, maybe you didn't lift your hand the first time, but that was you and you go, man, I just did that and I'm believing that something really happened in my life. I'm going to ask you to just lift both hands over your head. This is for you. It's just a victory of Jesus. You did this. You took this. Nobody else looking around. If you just pray, Jesus, take me. I'm just going to ask the international symbol of surrenders. You just lift both hands over your head. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While we're here, I want to give a charge to believers. If you just prayed that, that's you. But everybody else in the room, if you believe in Jesus, say, that's me. <laughs> Let's say it again like we're actually excited that it's us. If you're a believer in the room, say, that's me. That's me. Yeah. So listen, I want to tell you this with your hand on your heart. You've already been designed and destined for a specific place in the body. This is the question I want to ask. What specific glory do you bring to the body? What are your strengths? What are your passions? What are your burdens? What's broken in the world that you just can't shake? Would you come into agreement with it this morning? For some of us, we do this false humility thing and we push it away. Oh, no, brother, that's not me. Would you this morning say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That is how I see the world. That is what I believe needs to change. Somebody, would you come to the place, say, Jesus, yes, I agree with what you say about me today. I want to encourage you, if you've never done it, to tell somebody. You can come to one of these prayer ministers, tell them, you can tell, but don't leave this room without telling somebody, hey, I'm this. This is what I bring. This is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about. I'll ask you the question while you're in this place. Are you doing it? Are you giving it priority? What is Jesus saying today needs to shift? We're going to talk about equipping it in the weeks to come. But would you make the heart step right now to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to make it my priority. Let me go just a little bit bigger here. We live in an individualistic culture. Are you in an environment to use and grow in your gifts in the body? This is what I mean. If you belong to this church, God's called you to belong to this body. And there's a glory you bring to this body that is desperately needed and lacking unless you see it and come into agreement with it and make it a priority. Are you doing it? Are you a part of a missional community? Maybe right now you say, I am, but it's been a distraction or it just feels like we're just getting started. We are. Would you come in and bring your glory? It'll speed the track up, I promise. Maybe somebody this morning, you need to find Pastor Chris before you go and say, okay, it's time. I need to be a part of a missional community. Can I ask this? Before I move on, I'm going to give one more charge about being the bride, but before I move on from the, 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 the body, I, I need to ask. Is there a place within the body of Christ that you're grumbling? Are there parts of the body, ministries or leaders, that you've been quietly grumbling about because you've been walking in either jealousy or whatever it is, you see and it feels like they're being rewarded and what they're doing is being built and you're taking it away, but mine's not being built. And can you shift that instead to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I was operating like a cancerous cell, an autoimmune disease within the body attacking itself. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Would you help me instead to see that victory in my brother or sister is just a roadmap for the victory that's coming for me? I can look at their victory and go, oh, that's what my God does with a life surrendered. Got it. I surrender. I'm going to ask right now, if there's a place where you're walking with offense toward a ministry or person in the body and you need ministry, would you step out from your seat? Please, let's not leave this moment. Don't just hear it. Don't just write a note about it. Would you come to one of these prayer ministers and say, I got an offense, I need to lay down. I, I, I need some help. I've got a person, I've got a church hurt, I need to lay down. Maybe it's a church hurt that came before you ever came here. You say, I want to walk as part of the body. While we're there, I want to give one more charge, and it's about being the bride. Can I ask what it is you're saying about the bride? Are you joining Jesus in speaking words of life over his church or faulting her 
for its shortcomings. Found with some of those documentaries that were coming out with some really terrible scandals happening in a number of churches, I found that Jesus had to correct me for some of the things I was saying. My heart was broken and that was right, but my words were wrong because they're his bride and he loves them and he wants to wash over them. And I could have joined with my heartbreak with prayers of restoration instead of prayers of judgment as if I was above it. Is there a place you see a shortcoming here at our church? They're like, gosh, I love overflow, but they frustrate me to no end with this thing. By the way, if you're seeing a shortcoming, it may be an indicator that you have a gift or a voice to help. But I want to say what we will have no room for. Complaining about a place in the body that lacks health while doing nothing to help is nothing more than a negative Yelp review. Okay? We're better than that. I want to ask the question, are you ready to trust and receive and honor the direction of the leaders God placed in you and walk at the pace he decides? All right, that's been good. There's one last question, and it's the most important. If we're the bride... It means today in the midst of everything else you have on your to-do list that Jesus Christ has turned his full gaze and attention to you. Are you returning the gaze? We have a value around here called intimacy. That friendship with God is our greatest privilege. So we make it our greatest priority. I need to ask this morning, what is the Lord saying to you about the priority you're spending on turning your gaze to him? On seeing him. I started this charge by welcoming people into the kingdom who had never prayed for Jesus to come in their life. I want to end this charge speaking to believers for just a minute. Is there somebody this morning that you would say, he's calling me again to be the bride I keep listening to the noise coming down the aisle. I've been distracted and discouraged and frustrated and distant. I feel distant from God. If that's you, would you just say three words to him this morning? Here I am. Here I am. Not here's my plan to fix it. Not here's all the things I did. He already knows all of it. Have you been running? Are you weary? Are you distracted? God, here I am. Here I am. And would you let him in that place do what he's always longed to do, just wash over you with his word? Oh, my child, I adore you. It's good to see your gaze again. I pray right now, Father, for my brothers and sisters that adore King Jesus and have felt distracted. Right now, that the weight and the burden of religion that would tell them they need to write something down or do it different or pay it off, those are all humanist mindsets. May they drop it right now with three words, here I am. I've been distracted, but here I am. I've been weighed down, but here I am. Come on, somebody in the room, that's you. You need to do that right now. We're coming to the point to close the service, but you have felt distant from God, and even right now you're wrestling because you're like, oh, I just can't be that easy. It is. It is. Anything else is believing that you can jump up on the cross with Jesus and pay for part of your debts. He doesn't do a layaway plan. He paid it all. So come on, somebody, right here. This is the last moment, and Pastor Chris is going to close us. If you have felt distant from God, and you want to know again the joy of your salvation, the joy of your first love, I'm just going to ask you in this place, with everything going on, would you just say to him quietly three words? Here I am. Father, would you wash over us with your adoration? Would you build us strong to be a body that recognizes the glory in one another and that is courageous enough to stay together?